Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... the money, but I trust you. I could use this money tomorrow, but I'm not going to have this money tomorrow. So I'm trusting you to give me money tomorrow to live and to be more generous. This is all about faith in God, not like the guys on TV teach. It's all about your faith. It's not. It's about faith in God. So the point is God's people who are dependent on God's resources will have enough for every good work. Did you know the Lord wants you to trust Him with your finances and be generous with what He gives you? Pastor Jim today explains how God promises a special love for those who are joyfully generous. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 with part 3 of his message entitled, The Spiritual Blessings of Generosity. So here the Apostle Paul reminds us all to trust the Lord who is the ultimate giver who will provide for us to carry on his work. Guys, that's one of the reasons why I don't beg you for money. Because I believe with all of my heart that if God wants this thing that we call Calvary Chapel Morris Hills to happen, that I didn't need to start up here with a group of people from another church who were mad at their pastor until they were mad at me and left that we didn't need to beg you for money each week, that if God wanted to bring a church together, he would bring people together, and as they would be prompted by the Lord, they would be generous. In other words, the Lord here takes responsibility to provide abundance for the generous. Why? So they can be more generous. God says, you sow the seed of generosity. I'll make sure that you have a crop big enough so you can next year sow or next week or next whatever, sow the seed of generosity. So you can keep doing that. Does God provide for the stingy and somewhat generous? No, just kidding again, (laughs) yes. But this appears to be a greater outpouring. And again, call me selfish if you will, I want that for myself. So, we'll end the trick questions because it's getting late. Is this so we can buy whatever we want? No, no. It's so the Lord can get the money where he wants it to go for the kingdom of God. This is not about personal wealth, although that may happen. I think it's really wrong and crude and stretching the Bible and actually false theology to say that if you give, you're going to necessarily get rich. It happens to some people. Generous people, I can tell you this, most of the generous people I know are actually very smart because they just know that being generous pays tons of dividends in so many different ways, whether it comes back to them in money or not. No, this is about 
having resources to give to the work of the Lord. Now, this not only challenges our faith in God's ability to provide, it challenges our contentment, doesn't it? It challenges us that are we content that we can be generous and maybe go without certain things so we can be generous. I think a lot of us are thinking that we just going to give over out of what's left over, but if we have a real taste for things, what's left over? Nothing. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 says this, very well-known verse, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. A lot of people talk about that one. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Some of you are like, I didn't know that was from the Bible. Yeah, that was from the Bible. Now, I'm going to skip verse 8 by deliberate design. Verse 9 says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many and foolish, harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Did you ever see people chasing money and get ruined? Yeah. It can happen on a part-time Sunday job. People just need a little extra money, and, and then next thing they know, they're out of church, they're out of fellowship, they've walked away from their faith. Verse 10, a lot of people know this one. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. A lot of that stuff's all familiar, isn't it? But I skipped verse 8. Why did I skip verse 8? Because verse 8 is the piercing verse. Verse 8 says this, And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Ooh. Ooh. What does that mean? Oh, we can only live on a yacht and buy designer clothes and do that's how we spend our weekends? No, no, God's looking for us to be content in him. Now, before you get too sad, there's something that's very important that we note here. The Bible writers did not teach a detachment from the material world. I know a lot of people want to think that way, but that's not the Bible. The Bible actually taught that God is the giver of all. Now, it doesn't mean we can have every luxury. We can have some. But God is the giver of all. And since God is the giver of all, the foundation, remember we said last week, we're just giving what God gave to us to manage anyway. Since God is the giver of all, the foundation of giving of his people is profoundly rooted in him. And it is profoundly rooted in his grace. That means, and this is a tough one, that means that even more than I care about what God gives me materially, I should care more about what to do with the material gifts that he has given to me. That giving should not be a leftover. That's why in the Old Testament it was first, because that's what we should be focused on. This means that the freedom of not giving is not an option for the people of God. I've even said to people, this, like, like, I'm flat broke. I don't even have money for food. We have free food here. I'm just like, put $5 in, man, and you can buy $50 worth of groceries here. We're going to get a deal like that. Because everybody needs, in some sense, to participate, especially in a materialistic society like ours that totally promotes self-sufficiency. Now, 
I know that in a church like ours, just the mere mention of money makes some people cringe. You say, why do we talk about money in church? It's because joyful generosity proves that we are the church. That's what marks us out as being different. Friends, right? Friends. Family, right? The fact that a lot of us are so confused about giving, we're always saying, what's the amount? What's the amount? What's the amount? That's not the issue. The fact that a lot of us are confused about giving shows us that we must think and pray about our own distribution of God's gifts and God's provisions and our care for God's work in the world versus our care just solely for ourselves. Now I know, I know that many people, many of you, are afraid that you won't have enough for tomorrow. But here the Lord tells us that he will make sure his generous people will have enough to be generous tomorrow. And if you have enough to be generous tomorrow and next year, then that means that you have enough to live on. Because the Bible doesn't expect you to give until the point in time that you're dependent on society. This is one of those areas for a lot of us here that the Lord wants his grace to triumph over our fear. He wants his grace to triumph in our lives as we trust in him. As you read the Bible, and you will not see what I'm talking about unless you do read the Bible, as you read the Bible, you will see that one of the great themes of the Bible writers is God's ability and God's power to provide for his people. If you're familiar with the stories of Moses taking the people of God through the wilderness, God continually provided for them, and they complained that it wasn't enough. That's not good. But that is something that is over and over again in the Bible, that God provides for his people through his power, and we are tested in our contentment and our generosity to the things of God. Matthew 6, 31 through 34, Jesus said this, Therefore do not worry. The Bible is always telling us not to worry. Anybody know why? Because we worry a lot. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. He's saying people who don't believe, that's what they're talking about all the time. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Notice he didn't say you're going to have to do without those things. He didn't say that. He said your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all those things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Some people say, translate that. You take care of God's business, and he'll take care of your business. Therefore... Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, Jesus' words here are critical for all of us who would say that we are children of God. 
And now we have to really listen up here because this is what this is all about. This is what this entire section is really all about. Whether it's money, whether it's service, whether it's children, whether it's whatever it is, whatever area you're having trouble trusting God with. Critical in this section to generosity. Critical to whatever you're worried about is an understanding of the importance of present and future grace in maintaining joy in our hearts. Critical is to understand how God has preserved you all the way to this point and says, I will preserve you from this point on today and going forward in the future because of grace. We made it this far because of grace and we're gonna make it all the way because of grace. But the problem is it's easier to see grace in the rearview mirror, isn't it, than to see grace in the future. And that's what he's talking about. You sow bountifully today, you can bank on grace tomorrow. That's what he's talking about. Our confidence and our security in the power and the provisions and the promises of God is the greatest motivation to generosity. It is God who is the greatest motivation to generosity, not even our gratitude, because gratitude puts what? It puts it on me. I'm not feeling very grateful today. We puts it on you. No, we are generous. We serve. We do whatever we do as God's people because we are confident in him. The old expression goes, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. And so this is why we can be generous. When we give, because we are sure of what the Lord has promised to do, that is faith-based generosity. When you walk up to the offering box, when you sign a check, when you drop it in the mail, when you do online, but however you do it, what are you saying to God? I am trusting you with tomorrow. I am taking this money. I am giving it back to you. It is for your kingdom. It is for your work. You dispatch the money, but I trust you. I could use this money tomorrow, but I'm not going to have this money tomorrow. So I'm trusting you to give me money tomorrow to live and to be more generous. This is all about faith in God, not like the guys on TV teach. It's all about your faith. It's not. It's about faith in God. So the point is God's people who are dependent on God's resources will have enough for every good work. Those people who are cheerful givers will have enough for every good work. Now, some people say, well, there's poor people all over the world. They are some of the most generous people on the planet. There are some of these places in this world where they are war-torn and you go to their worship services and people come back, you gotta see the worship. What's going on in the church? Well, it's kind of shrinking. Really, what's happening? Well, they're sending out missionaries. They're sending out pastors to plant churches. The people are coming. They're bringing whatever they can do because they're so excited that God has saved their soul. The apostle is teaching us here that having enough for every good work comes from a continuing trust and continuing grace as we learn each and every day to trust the Lord more. So generosity becomes a declaration of trust. Generosity shows us how much we trust the Lord. And as we learn to trust the Lord more, our confidence in the grace of God for tomorrow motivates us 
to be generous today. That's not being personally rich, but rather having enough, the promise is having enough to be instruments of his work in the world as the Lord sees fit. Number three, and we must hurry, generosity and God's special gift. We went from generosity and God's special love, generosity and God's special provision, now generosity and God's special gift. Verse 12, for the administration of this service, the donation to these people in Jerusalem, not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgiving to God, while through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. You know what? Just imagine everything we learned about the Corinthian church through going through 1 Corinthians and now 2 Corinthians. I'm sure a lot of people thought they weren't really Christians. <laughs> Would you ever meet somebody who just lives like the devil, like the Corinthian church? You're like, I'm not really so sure they're Christians. I mean, they got the talk down, but man, everything else seems out of whack. And here, Apostle Paul says, some of them are actually going to be excited about your confession. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Another version says, because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. And then he ends the discussion, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So they haven't made this donation yet. He's trying to get them to do it. And the Corinthian church generosity will not only provide for the Jerusalem church materially, it will also provide for everyone spiritually. The apostle says here that it's going to prompt people to turn to God. It's going to build everyone's faith. It's going to draw attention to God's grace and to his glory. For the Corinthian church, their joyful, cheerful generosity will express their confession of faith, their confession of the gospel, and their trust in Jesus. For the recipients of the gift, this is interesting here to me, Paul assumes that they will pray for the givers. You know, we're Americans. We tend to send our money out. You know, the people who receive our gifts, a lot of them are praying for you. I write those letters to those compassion kids, and I'm like, don't forget to pray for me, because <laughs> I need it. I need it. I wonder, when somebody gives something to us, when somebody's generous to us, when, when it's outrageous generosity to bless us, do we pray for them? Do we thank God for them? Do we thank God that he has put them in our lives? A true follower of Jesus will often do radical countercultural things to bring glory to God. You say, why? It says right here, because of the exceeding grace of God in you. And so here in chapter 8 and 9, it's been tied to God's kindness, God's favor, God's enablement. And now I can't help but think the Apostle Paul, when he's talking about generosity, says to the Corinthian church, it's time for you to grab it. It's time for you to experience the special love of being a cheerful giver, Corinthian church. And I can't help but think that maybe, maybe God is saying that to some of us here today. Paul saying to them, time for you by faith to grab on what verse 15 says, his indescribable gift. Indescribable what? It's a gift too wonderful for words. So what is it? 
Is it the gift of the grace of God that he gives to all who turn to God and put their trust in Jesus for eternal life? Could be you today if you're not a follower of Jesus. Is that what the indescribable gift is? Or could it be, as we saw last week, that the grace of God makes all children of God rich in the fact that they are heirs of heaven? Or is the indescribable gift Jesus himself? If I had to pick one, I'd pick Jesus, but I prefer to pick the one, the absolute choice that I pick is yes. It's all of those things. And it's so important to see, loved ones, that our generosity says much less about us and much more about what we believe about Jesus. And it really, in some senses, makes a declaration of the worth of Jesus Christ to us. So what happened? Was the Corinthian church generous? Well, Romans 15, the Apostle Paul wrote Romans after this letter. He writes this, Romans 15, 25 through 27. He says, but now I am going to Jerusalem. What do you think? To apologize that the Corinthian churches were cheap? But now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints, for it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia. Remember, we said that's where the Corinthian church is to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. The saints are just the people of God. It pleased them. They were what? They were cheerful. It pleased them, indeed, and they are their debtors, for if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. So what's Paul telling us? that these two chapters changed the Corinthian church. Chapters 8 and 9, 2 Corinthians, changed the church. They read the letter, and they decided to become cheerful givers. They decided to be generous. Acts of generosity, as well as the blessings of generosity, are all tied up in the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. We just read that the Apostle Paul went to Jerusalem. Why did he go there? He went to bring an offering. But the Bible tells us, Luke's gospel tells us, that Jesus turned his face towards Jerusalem. That Jesus Christ himself went to Jerusalem, not to bring a sacrifice, not to bring an offering, but to be the sacrifice, but to be the offering for our sins. So how willing... How willing is Jesus ready to forgive your sins? You say, I haven't really been generous up to this point, man. I'm actually kind of a stingy Christian there, Pastor Jim. How willing is Jesus to forgive your sins, my sins? How willing? Well, did you notice that in Romans there was no mention that they had dropped the ball in their generosity? There was no mention, well, I had to write 2 Corinthians to them, and when you get a copy of it in your Bible, chapter 8 and 9, pay particular attention to it, that they were cheap, but I get to sort of weave my way into some generosity. No mention of that at all. Why? Because it was in the past. It was forgiven. The Lord had thrown it behind his back. And the Corinthian church was changed because they had become a generous people. See, the forgiveness of our sins, that's God's gift. It's indescribable. It's inexpressible. It is the blessing of God's generosity. 
to all people who put their trust in Jesus Christ. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So friend, let me ask you, how big a harvest do you want? Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There, you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow, verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through God's Word. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.